Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a special college basketball episode from MLive. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Kyle Austin. And we will be previewing this weekend's game between Michigan and Michigan State, what the teams have done so far this season, and what to expect in Saturday's matchup. All right, listeners. So this is Andrew Kahn from Wolverine Confidential, and I'm joined by Kyle Austin of Spartan Confidential. This is our annual crossover episode in advance of the first of two scheduled meetings between the Michigan and Michigan State men's basketball teams i guess you really have to emphasize scheduled these days because you just don't know i mean even even this saturday's game is is no guarantee until that ball is tipped but yeah i guess let's kind of bring listeners up to speed on where the teams stand entering saturday's matchup which will be in ann arbor chrysler center 230 tip on saturday i just checked before we we hit record here and tickets tickets were available through michigan's ticket office and $60 up in that upper deck. So not great, but for those looking to, uh, to get in the building need to be vaccinated though. That's a new, new rule for, for Chrysler going forward. So the two teams, Michigan state unranked to start the year. And after last night's win against Nebraska, they're 13 and two overall four and zero in the big 10 ranked number 10 in the country. I believe Kyle, how, how did this happen? What is Michigan state doing so well in the early season? You know, I, I think they really took a hard look after last year when they went 15 and 13, barely made the NCAA tournament and lost in the first round. Had really one of their worst, if not their worst seasons under time is or really since the first second year. So I, I think they took a really hard look at what they needed to get better at, what they needed to focus on and had a very specific plan for for how to do that you know and it started at the point guard position really right when the season ended they jumped into the portal which is not something that Tom Izzo likes to do or has done a lot but it was very much a position of need after last year uh when they tried to uh tried to convert Rocket Watts and thought that that would work out and it didn't and you know they tried Foster Lawyer he was just not a big 10 player so they needed a point guard they went so they went and got Northeastern's Tyson Walker and as Michigan fans know well it's a crapshoot, you know, these, these up transfer point guards, you know, you know, Michigan got a very good one last year. This one, you know, my understanding is a little bit more work in progress, but uh, Michigan state halfway through the season, seems like they got a good one in Tyson Walker. He had a little bit of a slow start, but he's been moving the ball for them very well, running their fast break very well, which is something that wasn't done very well last year. He's a very good defender, plus defender for them, which has been an improvement at the position. And I think that's just unlocked a lot of other things. A lot, I think, I think a lot of the issues last year, Michigan State, with how many sets it runs, with how much it wants to run, is just very dependent on the point guard. So when that position goes awry, a lot of things just get out of whack. And I think 
having a competent person in that position. And I should say A.J. Hogard, uh, who was shaky as a freshman, has been much better as a sophomore as the backup. So, uh, you know, he's been, like I said, doing the fast break better. He's been getting guys better passes for open shots. Uh, you know, you've seen Gabe Brown shooting better. You've seen guys like Joey Hauser getting better shots. And then Max Christie stepped in as a freshman and been able to make an impact. So I start there. But, you know, they, they, they've they added Max Christie, too, who I just mentioned. You know, he's uh, you know, he scored 21 the other night against Nebraska. Yep. A guy who's been a plus defender for them. Been hot and cold shooting, but when he's shooting well, can really fill it up. And, you know, Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham have kind of taken that senior year jump that I, I think they wanted them to. Both guys have been role players, been hadn't really kind of come into their own, had been behind other guys. But both of them, you know, Gabe Brown's the leading scorer now, I think, at a 14 and a half points a game. Marcus Bingham is uh, averaging almost a double-double, and um, he's really been a force defending the rim, seven-footer with a really long wingspan. So between really those factors, you know, point guard play, their seniors doing well, and uh, Max Christie stepping in as a freshman, they really, uh, really turned things around pretty quickly. Yeah, I'd say so. The two losses to, to Kansas and Baylor on neutral courts, uh, no, no shame there, and some good wins, you know, Loyola and, and UConn on, on neutral mm-hmm. courts and Louisville, and then, like I said, you know, 4-0 in the Big Ten. It hasn't been tough sledding yet, Minnesota, Penn State, Northwestern, and Nebraska, but still, I mean, yes, uh, absolutely a major turnaround so far for Michigan State. All right, for Michigan, it's been a little bit of the opposite. I mean, the the defending, you know, Big Ten champs, number one seed in the NCAA tournament last year, get within a, a shot of the of the final four. And now they're seven and six, you know, one and two in the Big Ten after Tuesday's loss at Rutgers. It's just it it's been tough to diagnose just sort of one issue with this team. You know, you mentioned you know, Michigan State's success in the transfer portal with a with a point guard. Um, Michigan went that route with Devontae Jones from Coastal Carolina, and he's been up and down. You know, he had a nice little stretch going until the, the game at Rutgers. He, he didn't score. He only handed out, you know, a couple assists. And he's just, he's not the kind of defensive force they, they thought he'd be early in the season. Too many fouls. Now, that's not really an issue, but, you know, he's not really creating turnovers or any, anything like that. And, and really, to me, you know, Michigan State fans, I'm sure know Eli Brooks very well. There, you know, seems like he's been around forever. And this is, in fact, his fifth full season of college basketball. He took advantage of the COVID waiver. It was great when he was, you know, the third, the fourth, the fifth option offensively, playing on a team with, you know, future NBA players. Now he's too often the first. It's Brooks and, and Hunter Dickinson. And then you just a lot of question marks about what else you're going to get from the rest of the you know, rotation players. And, you know, two of those are freshmen in Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston. They're five stars, but they're not really playing like it so far. And then, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned Jones's kind of inconsistency. So it's been a struggle for Michigan and yeah, their best win right now, as far as the numbers is, is a home win over San Diego state. So it's just kind of been up and down. They go, they went, you know, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss for, for a good chunk of the season. And now it's a, it's a two game losing streak. So yeah, seven and six, one and two in the big 10, you know, defensively, they couldn't guard one-on-one earlier in the year and now they're helping too much. And, you know, the last two teams have posted 20 assists against Michigan. So it's like, you know, you plug one hole and then another leak springs up. So yeah, a lot of problems for this Michigan team right now, but as we kind of break down this particular matchup on Saturday, I never count out, the home team in college basketball, especially in a rivalry game. But I think, I think the first thing we have to say when we talk about this matchup 
is the personnel available for Michigan because they were without five players on Tuesday that who did not make the trip. Four had COVID, including three scholarship players who are firmly in the rotation. Your backup point guard and Franking Collins, and then reserve forwards Brandon Johns Jr. and Terrence Williams the second, as well as a you know a walk on center Jaron Falds. A fifth player, Zeb Jackson, sophomore guard, did not make the trip for you know personal private reasons that they didn't reveal. But you know you got to wonder. They tested positive on December 31st, so I don't know. January 8th is not 10 days out, but it's more than five. I can't keep track of of where things stand. With you know, you've already been through this, guys. Uh, yeah. So, so Michigan, Michigan State took it a week beforehand, and their their guys all came back after five. So I, okay. I can't say for sure if Michigan's are the same, but if they play it like Michigan State played it, I, I think they'll have guys back available assuming nobody else tests positive which that's right. always the, the question now so right yeah those guys could be back but others others could be out i i suppose um but which same goes for michigan state to be clear so right yeah you, you just you just don't know um you know we're now we're recording this on on thursday late afternoon so we're you know 48 hours away from tip so a lot can change but i guess what do you see with this you know matchup in particular you've obviously got a the interesting point guard battle and the two the two transfers but Maybe we'll start inside because that's kind of where it always starts for Michigan with with Hunter Dickinson. They want to feed him as much as possible and play inside out. How equipped is Michigan State to you know handle him on both ends? That's kind of my one of my biggest question marks because you know I look at Michigan State's schedule and I don't see a whole lot of you know big dominant big men that they faced. You know, non-conference was a lot of smaller teams. Um, you know, Baylor was big. Maybe that's the one exception. But you know, they haven't they had kind of a soft opening to the big 10 schedule. You know, they haven't played your, your Kofi's yet or some of your or Purdue or any mm-hmm. of these teams with, with really good big men. So I think that's still an open question mark, but I think we've seen enough improvement out of Marcus Bingham jr. This year to think that he has the tools to be okay. Uh, he's still thin. You know, the, the thing is he's always been, he's never been a muscular guy and he's gotten pushed around at times and he's still not going to go out down there and out muscle people, but what he's been able to do is just use that length to bother people and to affect shots and to, to kind of pester and reach around guys. And um, that's going to be his best bet against against Hunter Dickinson. You know, Hunter Dickinson's going to have the strength, but Marcus Bingham will have the length on him. So defending him and then, you know, Michigan State will probably use other guys to dig down on it and help defense. And if, if when he catches the ball in the post, he'll have Marcus Bingham trying to wrap him up and he'll probably have a you know, a Gabe Brown or a Tyson Walker, you know, pestering him from the perimeter. So that'd be my guess because I haven't seen enough really good three-point shooting from Michigan to really force you to keep your guys on the outside. So, you know, if I'm in the Michigan State meeting room this week, I have to think that they're considering how they double and how they kind of dig on Hunter Dickinson to try to limit him and basically force Michigan, Michigan to make shots because that's something I think they've struggled to do this year. Absolutely. I mean, they're shooting 34% as a team from three-point range, which is which is fine. And I, I realize this is how sort of percentages and averages work, but, you know, they've had some games where they, you know, really lit it up and made double-digit threes, uh, you know, 15 against Nebraska earlier this year. But then they've had some just unbelievable duds, you know, the three for 18, a, a one for 14, and then, you know, a, a three for 15 the other night against Rutgers. So when they've gone cold, they've gone really cold. And I wrote about this now a little while ago, but you kind of look for, you know, a track record and what you can expect from some of these guys. And, you know, you have one with, with Eli Brooks and you have one with Devonte Jones. So you kind of know maybe what you're going to get from, from those guys. And they've, they've been at, or in, in Jones's case, exceeding like their career numbers, but the other guys, you just don't know. I mean, 
Houston's a freshman. He, he's, he's got a body of work at high school and, you know, even in the international level, but the college level, I division one is a different story. And he's been, you know, underwhelming and Dickinson is now in the mix because he's, he's a three point shooter now. I mean, he's taken, he's taken 17, uh, he's made five. So hmm. he, he's not really a threat yet. As far as the way teams defend him. they'll, they'll gladly give him that shot in Michigan's offense. So I, I, I don't disagree that, that that'll be, that'll be something to watch how, how Michigan state guards Dickinson inside. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, who's, who, who are still the top options offensively for Michigan state. And we can maybe talk about who might be guarding them. Cause you know, I've certainly seen, seen some good things from Christie and, and Gabe Brown are those kind of the two one-on-one scores they have. Yeah. Those have been really the two main guys. I mean, there've been guys who have flashed at times, you know, Malik Hall's had a 20 point game, Julius Marble backup center had a big one. And Marcus Bingham's had been a consistent, like 10 point a game guy, but, but really the two go-to guys have been Gabe Brown and Max Christie. And, both really kind of more catch and shoot guys, which has made the point guard position all the more important. You know, mm-hmm. Gabe Brown's pretty much, he's either catching and, and releasing a three-pointer or he is, or he's going for the dunk, you know, not a lot of mid-range game in him. And, and then Max Christie, you know, really, really a three-point shooter primarily. He'll do some other things. He had a nice tip-back dunk in, against Northwestern. But, you know, th- those two guys are shooters and they've been, Christie had a slow start to the year, but you know, I feel like you kind of, once you get to this time of year, you kind of really start to see the identity of these teams and start to figure out, okay, who's really the guy, you know, what was real about November, what wasn't real. And and to me, this is a team where those two guys have become the top two scorers. And, you know, they're both, they're both, you know, kind of perimeter guys. So, you know, you're looking at for Michigan, you know, how do Brooks and Houston um, or Houston, I guess it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Um, I would have guessed Houston. Um, how do those two guys defend those two? Because I think it's pretty clear they become kind of one and two as offensive options. And then Tyson Walker is kind of a sneaky offensive player. He, he doesn't look for a shot much, but he makes it a lot. And he's a guy that can kind of quickly score 15 on you if you're not, you know, if you're not respecting his shot and if you're not taking it away. He's been looking to pass first, but the coaches have really been on him to shoot more and shoot more because they think he's got more. So he's, He's a couple, I think he's going to surprise some guys in Big Ten play because he's he's kind of has that offensive ability sitting there and just hasn't really been using it very much. Yeah, I mean it's interesting there in the in the, those two key players you mentioned for Michigan State because, like you said, it'll be it'll probably be just going position by position. It'll, it'll probably be Brooks on Christie, so he, he's given up five inches there, and then mm-hmm. you know Brooks that is, and then yeah, the the kind of matchup on the wing. You know, Houston is he's got size, but he's a freshman going against a senior in that matchup, so. Yeah, it'll take it'll take a better defensive effort than what Michigan has shown because it's just weird. Right now, they're like, you know, you, you want a team that's like, you know, better than the sum of its parts. They're they're the opposite right now because mm-hmm. they they seem to have some good individual defenders. I mean, Dickinson's not super mobile, but you know, he'll he'll protect the paint pretty well. And you know, Diabate came in as a reputation as a you know high energy shot blocker, and he, and he showed that earlier in the season, but you know, not so much lately. And you know, Brooks, the coaches and, and his teammates have always praised what he can do defensively and, and and Jones kind of similar. And yet they're not forcing any turnovers. They're doing okay from, from three overall. But again, they've had some games where they've just gone torched and Rutgers hit some tough shots. UCF hit some tough, tough shots. Minnesota had made some tough one-on-one shots, but like, I don't know, after how many games do you start saying it's, it's now we've got a trend and it's really not, it's not the other team, it's it's, it's you. Um, and it's, right. That's kind of what I see with Michigan. Yeah, you mentioned the turnovers though. And 
like Michigan State has been playing with fire all year with its turnovers. You know, it's 13 and two, but, you know, if you look at turnover rate, they're Mm -hmm. like outside of the top 250 in the country. They're Mm -hmm. like one of the worst time major teams in the country at at holding out of the ball. And they've been good offensively and defensively. So they've been able to make up for it. But, you know, time as you said the other night, like, this is going to bite us if we keep doing it. They turn the ball over 19 times against Nebraska. And you say Michigan doesn't turn them over. I think they've got the, they, they seem like they're capable, like they have the personnel to, and they just haven't done it. But also right. Michigan State, Michigan State turns it over plenty, just on its own without anybody doing anything. You know, mm-hmm. I could be standing there sometimes and I swear that um, AJ Hogard would just throw it out of bounds. So, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm looking at like reasons Michigan State loses this game, which like there's a lot of them, Michigan's a very talented team. And I think right. they could eventually display to their potential. But I think also like if they turn it over 19 times, like you can get away with that against Nebraska. It's going to be a lot harder to get away with that against Michigan on the road. So, yeah, you especially know, if they're those live ball turnovers, because that's what Michigan needs right, right now to, to kickstart mm-hmm. its offense, because that's what you saw against, you know, Nebraska and, and San Diego State. And, you know, they they use some full court press at times and they, they've gotten away from it lately. I definitely see why they why they did on Tuesday, given their, you know, just depth issues. But I, I think that's maybe something that they need to use more because, it's a way to, for them to get out and run and use some of their athleticism and, and start making some shots and, you know, start feeling good about themselves on that. And uh, it seems like this might be the opponent to to do it. Yeah, de- definitely. And, you know, the Michigan State, Tyson Walker's gotten better. AJ Hogard, either backup point guard has really been, he had, I think, seven turnovers the other night. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, if I'm Michigan's defense, I'm pestering him when he's got the ball and, and forcing him to make tough decisions because that's been a struggle for him. And, yeah. And, you know, I mean, Michigan State's an up-tempo team. So I think high turnovers kind of come along with the territory with that. But, you know, I've just been kind of waiting for this team to kind of have a turnover meltdown and lose in a game. It's going to happen at some point. So, you know, Michigan State, Michigan could make that happen on Saturday. We'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see who's available, you know, of course, on both sides. But Michigan's who we're watching a little more closely, given, you know, the, the COVID issues that we know exist within the program. Uh, we'll get to talk to Jawan Howard tomorrow, Friday. <laughs> I, I doubt we'll learn more directly from him, but you know he, he was unwilling to say much about about the situation on on Tuesday, but should have a, a, a little more of a clearer sense of what the status is entering Saturday's game. But yeah, I, I just hope I hope to see a Chrysler. I hope this game happens, and and yeah, it should be it should be a competitive one. I, I do think the Big Ten set it up though to make these games happen. You know, when yeah. you say you got seven guys you're playing, seven yep. scholarship guys you're playing, um, and if you are going to come back after five, like I am hopeful that we're going to see not just this game, but most of them. And maybe it's not fair that you know Michigan's got to go on the road, missing pretty much all its key reserves in play, but. I think it's what you got to do at this point. I agree. I mean, it'll, it should at the very least eliminate a lot of the complaining from fan bases and programs themselves that we saw last season. I mean, you you're, mm-hmm. you heard it from Illinois quite a bit about how, you know, they played all their games and Michigan didn't. And, you know, you can't blame a team when, you know, they're just being extra cautious. I mean, by the big 10 setting a rule, this is a number. If you have this number, you, you can't really, there's no hiding. It's unfortunate. You know, the committee, they say they'll, They'll take into you know consideration who was available for certain games, but yeah, it makes it a little more clear and cut and dried for for how you whether you play a game or not. But that's what they needed because last year, my understanding, it was almost like a gentleman's agreement between coaches. Like you know, hey, if we're able to play, let's play and let's let's play every game we can. 
mm-hmm. which I think most coaches are, you know, you know, honored that, but it, it just became murky. You know, yeah. they canceled that game. Could they have really played it? I think they could have played it. No, they couldn't have played it. Like I like setting like number of players available, yep. cut off, clear cut off because, you know, Michigan and the Michigan, Illinois was became a lightning rod, I think last year. Yeah. And Michigan, you know, when they had to have their games canceled or postponed, it was not because of their own program. You know, as the athletic right. department decided to shut down. The problem was with which games were rescheduled and which were not. But again, that that has not been a not been an issue. So as of now, scheduled for Saturday, 2.30 at Chrysler, CBS broadcast, I believe, if you can't make it to the game. And we'll have plenty of coverage on MLive.com leading up to it and after the game. Thanks for listening. 